Morning, birds. Hey, we're back after that long holiday weekend. What's that? Yeah, not, not long enough. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is Sparks, and I would like to welcome you to the Weekend Pirate Radio Special here at Bleat.network. Enjoy. It's Pirate Radio from Chicago. It's Gary Lee Wright, and we go to South Africa right now. We do, we do, we do. Uh, we're going to chat with uh, Courtney Clue. Courtney Clue is the co-founder of uh, something called the School of Etiquette, and uh, she joins us this morning. Um, Courtney, hello. Hi, hello. <laughs> How are you? I'm very well in yourself, thanks. Very well. I'm, I'm doing well. You know, it's... Um, uh, it's exciting to, um, I don't know, pop around the world. I don't think I have seen, um, I'm looking at your website, which is E-T, I'm sorry, eti-school.co.za slash South Africa. So anyway, I don't, I don't, we don't see those domains so much. Um, so tell me about <laughs> etiquette. <laughs> tell, tell me about etiquette. Um, I wrote a tweet this morning and I said, what, etiquette? But we probably need it now more than ever. Do you agree with that? Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm going to say yes no matter what, because let's be honest, it is my my job, the thing I do every day. But, you know, the main reason is etiquette is the fine art of getting along with people. You know, a lot of people have this misunderstanding that it's about being pretentious. It's about being better than others. When you've got good etiquette, you're better than other people. But quite simply, etiquette is about making people feel comfortable in your presence. You know, it's, it's about adjusting to your environment. We've all heard the saying, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. And the reason we do that is because it makes the people around us feel comfortable. It puts people at ease. So if you're in a fancy environment, we'll call it a fancy environment, you're going to act fancy. If you're in a humble environment, you're going to, you, you're going to be humble. It's as simple as that. It's, it's not highfalutin special behavior. It's just making people in your presence feel comfortable and at ease. My uh, heart rate has gone down um, since we started speaking here, Courtney. You're, 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 rela- <laughs> you're, you're relaxing me. I don't know how things have been going in South Africa, but here in, in the States, people have been really awful to each other for uh, the last year. Um, just all kinds of stuff, you know, conflicts over masks and just nasty junk. So um, I think we need to get back to something a little more civilized. And that's, and that's how we get started, yeah? Yeah, you know what's really interesting, though, is that one of human beings' deepest needs is the need to feel accepted or part of a group. So the more we separated from each other, the unhappier we become. So it's really, this whole year has just been this, this snowball effect. We get further and further away from each other. We get further and more disconnected from each other. And so there's, we're lacking the empathy, we're lacking the connection that, that brings people together and helps us get along. When people say etiquette, um, we often think of like what fork to use, things like that. Um, how now? You're an etiquette is consultant the right? Uh, is that the right word? 
you, you, you tell people. You can call it a consultant. I'm an etiquette facilitator. All right. Either one works. And um, you teach etiquette, yes? I, yes, I teach etiquette, although in saying that, and I, I kind of get where you're going with this, I'm often resistant or hesitant to say to someone, oh, I'm an etiquette consultant or I teach etiquette because, like you've just mentioned, I see them stand up a little bit straighter. <laughs> you see their, their facial features tense a little and mm. then they try to exit the conversation as quickly as possible. Well, and should you should you lie? Have you thought about telling no, some, some? I'm actually a, a soccer a soccer goalie, or you know, um, I do. But I, but seriously, I'm sh- I'm sure that um, I'm sure that happens to you. Um, so you know, it's something we actually call it an elevator pitch. Instead of saying to people, "Oh, I'm an accountant or an architect or an etiquette consultant." You're leaving it up to people to apply their own misperceptions and perceptions on that. So instead, I say to people, I help people feel comfortable in different environments. Do you, um, have you seen, um, not that you've been around this long, but um, have you seen etiquette changing, say, I don't know, since, since the last century, this century? Is it, it, does, it, does, it, does it evolve? One hundred percent. So etiquette exists to help us deal better with the the current situation. So of course it's got to change. Of course it's got to adjust in order to help people feel more confident, more competent, and more credible with the current situation. So one hundred percent yes. And I'm sure you know we can all agree we've seen cell phones come in. And, uh, in fact, we haven't had enough etiquette rules implanted around cell phones. You see people sitting on them in restaurants. You see people taking selfies at, you know, the most inappropriate places and inappropriate times. So etiquette comes in to, to help people avoid perhaps taking a selfie of themselves at a funeral. <laughs> or... But, yeah. but Courtney, with all due respect, don't you just want to punch some of these people in the head and say, "Come on, <laughs> really, really? You must, you must, you must be, you must be extremely patient." Um, you know, patience is a virtue that we all work on every day. <laughs> is, is that is that your dog? Can I? actually not my dog surprisingly it's the neighbor's dog i'm so apologetic no 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 we like dogs on the show we like dogs on the <laughs> show um, yes that's peanuts the neighbor's uh, labrador Pe- a go. peanuts well you know there's a there's an etiquette to dogs obviously and things like that what about um <laughs> what about what about dating etiquette what about dating etiquette so this is a, a really fun topic talk about and there's some really nice tips that come along with dating etiquette so of course there's there's going to be etiquette surrounding any sort of event and um, the one thing that is necessary to know whether you date when you take it whether you're taking someone on a date or whether you've invited someone for dinner if you have invited someone out for that meal typically it means you're the host and you pay for the meal Okay, so that's 
typically speaking, um, in saying that, there's an addendum to this. Generally, it's been perceived that men will pay for the bill when they take a woman out for a meal. Now, of course, that originated from times where women didn't necessarily have jobs. Now, of course, women today, we, we're working, we're independent. And so something that I, I personally encourage women to do is if you are invited for a date and the bill gets brought to the table, it's incredibly polite and it just shows your, your equality as a woman to say, would you like me to, would you like to split the bill or can I put anything towards that? But if you're a real savvy man or woman, the savvy data will actually take care of the bill away from the table. Hmm. So this is a really nice tip because there's nothing worse than when the bill gets brought to the table and there's this umming and ahhing, are we splitting, are we paying? So instead, the bill gets get paid away from the table. So I like you never what, have to have that. I like what you say. I mean, uh, it's it, of course it's about equality and social justice and economic, but I, it, I mean, it's manners, right? How, and how nice. You know, um, I, I, I'm, I'm a little bit older than you, maybe 50 or 60 years, Courtney, but um, I'm going to recall for people in the United States, you used to go, and this is a fancy restaurant, in which they would give, if I went in um, with, with someone, I'm, I'm on a date, um, they gave me a menu and they gave my female companion a menu with no prices on it. You know what I'm talking about? You ever seen that? <laughs> they used to do that. So it's like... I have heard of it. Yeah. It's still done here and there. Yeah. So it's like, little lady, you don't have any concerns about money. But anyway, so I, well, what I'm saying is, the, the, I mean, etiquette, it's on one level. People think it's kind of it's kind of fuddy-duddy and stodgy. But it really, actually, it, it leads us to where we need to go sometimes. Yes, absolutely. It's, it's there to make things run smoother, to make things more comfortable, and to help you feel more confident. So, you know, these, these rules don't just exist uh, for the sake of existing. They don't exist because we want to create more structure and more boundaries in life. They're there to actually create more seamlessly enjoyable environments. And um, just on the dating etiquette thing, another great tip that I, that I love to share, is another reason why you want to take care of the bill away from the table is, I'm not sure if you've had the same experience, but you hand over your card to pay for the meal and the machine doesn't work yes. it's not taking time yes. and they say oh the, the payment has failed and you go blood red and you think you know I, I promise you i've got money in the card it's not that i've run out of money but it just becomes awkward while you wait for the money to go through whereas if you get up you go take care of the bill away from the table there's none of this awkwardness once again <laughs> there's no embarrassment and shame if your card doesn't go through because there's bad signal you know Courtney oddly enough I was talking about mercury retrograde which is kind of a phenomenon but um, in the last two days I've had um, I've had my cards not go through um, it's just that's a weird it's a weird Mercury retrograde phenomenon. So how odd, yes. how odd you should mention that. Um, I oh. like this. Listen, the worst thing I th- for me, the worst thing in the world is to be embarrassed. 
Um, that that really is my Achilles heel. So what about that? I mean, you're you're helping people to not feel, uh, you know, you know, to not make a fool out of them in public. Yes, absolutely, and that's why it's such a rewarding um, job to be in, and it's really rewarding for the people that are attending the courses with me. I mean, the the one woman faced me after training said, "I can't tell you how my self confidence has grown." I'm getting offers from everywhere because of how confident and self-assured I am. And I've realized it doesn't matter where you come from. And um, she used the word, I come from the bundu, which means the bushes or, or you know, the outside areas. What, what, what is that word, Courtney? The bundu. The, so it means like the, the outer area. So she said, it doesn't matter where you come from. I'll just translate it. I come from the, the sort of rural outer areas. I th- you can still achieve, achieve your dreams. I think in American English, that's boondocks. You call it boondoos? That's cool. Jeez, I, I, I don't want to digress. You uh, you fascinate me. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, yeah. So, these types of skills, you know, a big part of what I'm doing is giving people social skills, people skills, confidence, the ability to feel like they can walk in a room and manage themselves with confidence. Now, I'm not sure if you're familiar with um, the Obama effect. The, the, the Obama, Obama effect? Yes. I, so, I, I am, but I'd, I'd be indebted if you'd explain it again. Go ahead. Wonderful. So before Barack Obama was inaugurated as the president, a standardized school test was given to school children. And the results came back, and what they found is that the white children had outperformed the black children. So after Barack Obama was inaugurated, they gave different scholars the same test. And what do you think happened? Uh, I know what happened. Go ahead. So the results came out equal. Now, of course, there's... The students aren't necessarily learning harder. They're not. They're not necessarily, you know, cramming more. They didn't even know about the test. But what that story indicates is the power of self-belief. And a lot of what we're doing in our trainings is we're giving people the self-belief and the self-confidence to believe that they can go into new environments and feel confident and feel capable and and give off a more credible impression. Courtney, as I sit here, uh, the president, when he's in Chicago, is one of our neighbors, President Obama. And we're in Chicago, and he's a little bit... So you mentioned, you mentioned a hero of mine. You know, um, let me make sure that people know that, as you mentioned, you do have online courses. Um, that website is etischool.co.za. Uh, slash South, slash South Africa, right? Uh, it's, no, it's just .co.za. It should still pop up as that as it is. And in fact, most of our online courses are sitting um, on a learning platform called Huru Learn. Okay. Huru is called H-U-R-U, Huru Learn. And that Huru actually means freedom. All right. So by learning these skills, you're, you're being given the freedom to move through life more freely. 
So, uh, Microphone Jones is in the studio here. Um, I, uh, and I should mention, um, uh, Aaron Mittens and I were talking about this, uh, this uh, drone thing. Um, we'll, uh, we'll get that posted at bleat.network. Um, check, uh, check his page. Uh, hit the menu. If you're on your phone, you got to hit the little, the little menu bars. But it'll come up. Anyway, um, it's Aaron the News Baron and on his website, all kinds of stuff that we refer to. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting stuff to get to. And um, we will um, also uh, give you an opportunity to sh shoot him an email. You see there's an email link. There you go. All right. So um, that coming up. Speaking of um, speaking of policing all this, MJ, we've got a guy on. This uh, fellow, the, um, he was on a, a few months ago. His name was Andy Griffiths. He's from the UK. I don't know if you've heard him. He was um, he's a police detective mm -hmm. outside of London. And so we're going to talk about policing. Right. They, they appear to be a little bit advanced from, yeah. from where we are. There. They do things a lot yeah. different. Yeah, they do. So anyway, so uh, that's uh, coming, and that's pretty heavy stuff. But I thought maybe we could lighten it up here. Mm -hmm. uh, you and I are both vaccinated, and um, apparently we can get all kinds of good uh, freebie stuff now. Yeah. Got a list? What what could we get now? We're vaccinated. Mm. You got your card? Yeah, I got. Okay. I got my card ready. Because we can. It sounds like we can eat free. What do we? What, what do we get? Um, desserts on the stick. Yeah. A healthy snack or drink. Yeah. Um, French fries, chance to wear, uh, win free flights, museum passes, grocery store discounts, life insurance points. Life, wait a minute, wait a minute, what? Where's the life insurance? Who gives you that? Um, John Hancock. Yeah. Life insurance company. You walk, right, okay, you walk in and, yeah, okay. Yeah, then you get a $5 coupon, then yeah. a free glazed donut every day. <laughs> and where? Then, where? At Dunkin' Donuts? Krispy Kreme donut. Oh, I'm sorry, I had Krispy Kreme. <laughs> yeah. You get a free you get a free glazed donut every day? Every get, day. I mean, that vaccinated? sounds dangerous. No, it does. <laughs> it does. Huh. Where'd you get where's the I know the dessert on the sticks from White Castle. Um it is it has to yeah, be, White right? Castle, yes. Okay. And you get free fries from somebody. Yeah, from steak and shake. Okay. A lot of healthy mm -hmm. stuff there. America I mean United Airlines. What yeah. We give you the free pass. To what? To, for the flights. To what? To where? Where can we go? Um, just say round trip for two anywhere in the United States. We went a we United Airlines. Yeah. Just because we're vaccinated. Just because we're vaccinated. Really? Yep. Huh. You trying to go somewhere? I don't know. I mean, that sounds like a good idea. Sounds like a plan. And because we get on the plane, everybody else will be vaccinated. Hopefully. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, I gotta check that out. That's worth a lot of money here. Yeah, I thought the dessert on the stick was a big deal until you took me around the world. <laughs> exactly. All right, uh, I got insurance. What else you got there? Yeah, Jules Osco give out the grocery discounts. All right. CVS gives out the five dollar um, coupon. Okay. Myers, I don't see any Myers around here, but I think there's I think there's one on the south side. Really? Yeah, I think there is. Yeah, one. they give out the ten dollar coupon. All right. And then yeah, that's pretty much. Well, I got we got to value that. Um, we got to figure. I got to get that United thing. That can't be the whole airfare. That's got to be some discount, I think. Yeah, United Airlines. Yeah. And it says yeah, thirty folks will receive round trip. Tickets. Oh, 30, oh, 30 people. Oh, it's like a drawing. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we could get in it to win it. Let's try. <laughs> We've been gambling this whole time, right? <laughs> 
All right, that sounds good. Uh, what, what else? What else on our list? Yeah. Mm. This is if you're listening to us in in the possible scenario that you yourself have not been vaccinated yet. Um, we hope that you do. I speak on behalf of the show. And not only that, you'll get a um, Abraham Lincoln Presidential Library in Springfield. Yeah, in Springfield. Where, where we get where we get for that? Yeah, you get um, a free admission. Oh yeah, you just bring your vaccination card and your ID. That's a cool. All right, that's mm-hmm. very cool. We should go down. Have you been down there? I haven't. I think I've been before once right. before. It's 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 pretty neat. I, I like uh, I like going down there. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Springfield. I also have really good corn dogs. Not not at the museum, <laughs> but around. <laughs> so, it's the corn dog recommended by Abraham Lincoln. Sounds about right. All right. So, okay, that sounds good. And then they have something for the kids, American Museum of Natural History in New York City. All right. Um, kids 12 and older from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. daily. You know what that's from? You know about The Catcher in the Rye, that famous book? That museum is in that book. You really? can go there, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Well, I'm ready to get out of here now. Yeah. I'm glad I'm vaccinated. Yeah. About take... time to start to live life again. <laughs> Here at Pirate Radio, we like it when our audience is part of the show. Please, feel free to send us an email at radioanything at gmail.com or you can just send us a toll-free voicemail 24-7 at 844-220-3300. Please share a thought with us and we will listen to you here on the radio. And don't forget to join us Monday through Friday at split.network. Thank you. Tim Walsh joining us. Tim, there he is. Tim, Tim, let's see here. There he is. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> the show's it's it's a seamless technical uh, array today. Hello. All right. Tim is in Florida this morning. Um, Tim, I, we describe you as a uh, game inventor and a toy historian. Um, and I just pulled up um, your website, which is um, really worth checking out. It's theplaymakers.com. I hope it is. Yes, it is. Or somebody else's is really colorful. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, yeah, all right, theplaymakers.com. Uh, you have a thing. You um, you have a thing up at the top here. Who invented Rock'em Sock'em Robots? Uh, yeah. Very interesting. Do you you what did you learn about that particular uh, face-off? Well, you know, it's funny. Plastic injection molding changed a lot of industries, and none more than toys. And really, starting around 1958, 59, and then into the 60s, plastic just exploded onto the market, and no game was bigger, badder, or louder than Rock'em Sock'em Robots. A lot of a lot of clattering plastic plastic in that game. One of my favorites. That's uh, and there was a lot of controversy about that. That's the one where you knock the the other the the, the head comes off, right? Yes. Yeah, the head pops off, and actually, it was more controversial than people even realized because there was a boxer named Davy Moore that um, sadly died in the ring right when it was in development, and the, the developer Marvin Glass, which is one of the biggest toy design firms in in uh, history. They pulled the, pulled the plug on it and said, we, there's no way we can do a boxing game um, when someone died in the ring. Yeah. And one of the designers, Bert Meyer, had the idea to take it away from humanity and, and make it robots. So oh, 
uh, that saved the game, and uh, it came out in 1964. That's uh, that that that's why we always learn stuff when we talk to you. Um, <laughs> speaking of uh, speaking of uh, plastic injection molding, um, I, I told you that I, over the weekend I was uh, looking out my window. And uh, my neighbors across the street had a slip and slide going. And, oh. and I thought of all the outdoor toys, you know, we're going to go out and play now. And uh, how, 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 uh, how all that stuff was plastic. And I don't know, so start with a slip and slide and we'll go on to hula hoops and God only knows what. So do you, do you remember the slip and slide, right? That Whammo product, yes? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that was invented by a gentleman named uh, uh, Mike Carrier. He was an upholsterer, and he came home from work one day, and his son, Mike, who was about 10 years old at the time, had a garden hose running on their smooth California driveway, and he was running and sliding on concrete. And (laughs) he said, you're going to kill yourself. So he took some Naga hide, which is uh, kind of a fabric, coated with vinyl, and he sewed together the first prototype of Slip and Slide, which really was ingenious because it attached to a hose, and along the length of this strip of naugahyde, he stitched uh, spaces around the, the, the tube that held the water so that when the pressure was turned on, when the hose was turned on, the pressure forced through those little openings in the stitches and that sort of lubricated the surface of the slide, and the kids were having a blast, and he ended up licensing it to Whammo uh, in 1961, and a huge hit for them. And made a fortune. I think he did pretty well, yes. They sold 9 million slip and slides, I believe, in the oh, first man. few years of its, of its launch, and still on the market today. You know, um, this last weekend I was out again for, uh, it's been a while, really. Anyway, hanging out with some people in someone's backyard, and they were playing uh, badminton and horseshoes and uh, mm-hmm. some of these things. And Tim, you know, I uh, I did a little thing on how baby boomers almost killed themselves with toys. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of that outdoor stuff, um, you know, was dangerous. And uh, yeah. so I mean, I can talk about jarts. Jarts was the jarts. Jarts was this weird thing that um, you know it was. Kind of like throwing a knife and hoping that it didn't land in a bad spot, a spiked, a spiked thing. But uh, anyway, the, the stuff that kids play with today outside, um, and I don't even know what it is. Is it, I'm assuming it's less dangerous. Absolutely. Of course, cornhole or beanbag toss, or it goes by a lot of different names, but that sport is sort of a, the safer, a safer version of throwing metal horseshoes, although horseshoes um, are still quite popular. Probably the biggest hit in the past 10 years or so is something called spike ball, which is sort of an interesting take on, what would you call it? It's kind of a a cross between a trampoline and four square where players hit the ball down into the trampoline then have to serve it back and hit a round net. Um, Really popular. A guy named Jeff Kinnerick invented that game and, uh, yeah, it's fun. I'm down here in Sarasota, Florida, and every time I go to the beach, there's at least two or three games of spike ball being played. I haven't, I haven't seen it with a K or with a T. Spike ball or spike, spike ball? Yeah, spike yeah. ball As, or yeah, yeah right. like you're spiking a volleyball. Okay. But, um, believe it or not, Gary Lee on ESPN two, they have televised spike ball tournaments. That's how popular this game wow. has become. Wow. 
You know, I'm still recovering from the realization. I was watching a, a poker tournament on TV, and I realized uh -huh. that it's the end of your life when you're actually watching somebody else play cards. <laughs> <laughs> it's like so. All right. Well, that's funny because it's another another trend in the toy industry are these unboxing videos where kids watch other kids online open up toys. It's, yeah. it's crazy. How is the toy market? I was going to ask you, um, I know we lost at least one uh, occasion of the uh, the toy fair uh, in, in New York, right, that, that yeah. used to happen. I know they didn't do it last year for obvious reasons. Um, is that... Uh, is that likely to come back, or what do you know about that? Yes, that is slated to come back in February. In fact, uh, Toy Fair of 2020 just happened, uh, and I went to that show, and then COVID hit, and that was the last uh, trade show that I went to. And then, of course, it was canceled the following year, and it's looking like it's on schedule for 2022, this coming February. Um yeah, the trade shows are slowly coming back. The next one uh, is in Minneapolis, St. Paul in August called Astra. It's the American Specialty Toy Retail Association. And uh, we'll be there in the Twin Cities and uh, getting getting back to, to play. Of course, COVID caused a lot of people um, to need indoor toys and outdoor as well, but to, to occupy their kids as they were home. So... I think it helped the toy industry overall, but it was a, a sad reason why huh. why the toy sales went up. How's Mega Mouth doing? Mega Mouth is uh, the <laughs> the brainchild of Tim Walsh, and um, I Santa sent out a couple of Mega Mouths from our house here. I know for for a fact. Nice. This is a cool thing. In fact, again with uh, Tim's website, which is theplaymakers.com. Um, there's a bunch of stuff here, and there's a shot. I'm looking at a shot of Mega Mouth. So anyway, this uh, if, if you haven't if you haven't heard about Mega Mouth, Mega Mouth is a lip reading game which involves uh, a, micro, uh, a magnifying glass. It's just really clever and it's and it's cool and it's fun. Um, I, how, I'm guessing because you had it all over Target, um, you guys did pretty well with that for Christmas, yeah. Yeah, it seems to be going really well. It's uh, selling well, and, and interestingly, it plays well over Zoom because you can put the magnifier up to your mouth and play over your favorite online, you know, meeting uh, <laughs> apps, which people are getting a little burned out on. But um, yeah, it seems to be selling well. It won a couple awards and was on the Today Show, and uh, it nominated for Game of the Year by the People of Play, which was awesome. So uh, very fun. Do you, do you Zoom? I'm still getting used to Zooming. Zooming, Tim, reminds me of Hollywood Squares. It's just, right? <laughs> it's, I want to go, you know, I want Peter Marshall to step out of the wings and straighten us out. Um, but um, I, hadn't, I hadn't thought of Mega Mouth and probably other things that, that do play well. So people are Zooming. So. Well, people are so you know burned out on on having meetings online. They 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 need some fun icebreakers. So I think that's one reason. But yeah, it's, it's uh, I always think of uh, the the opening of the Brady Bunch as well. Every, everybody these floating heads in boxes. It's a little disconcerting. I know. I know. Um, yeah, I as a uh, I I, um, I I I've done a couple of Zoom meetings and. You know, if I if I wanted to be on TV, I wouldn't have picked radio. So, <laughs> anyway, uh, this is Tim Walsh. Tim is the inventor of a whole bunch of stuff. 
from memory, Tribon, which is a blast. Is Tribon still, still on the market, is it not? I have a travel Tribon somewhere. Yes, Tribon's still on the market. It's produced by a company called Everest Toys up in Canada, and uh, they're still selling it. It's three things with something in common, and that's how you and I met way back in the day. It, what was it, early 90s? We used to play that on the air in Chicago. Yeah. And Give me, give me a, give me a sample of that. Give me a, give me a tribe on question, and I'll try and. How about? I'll try not, these three, Yeah, what do these three things have in common? Florida, a locksmith, and a piano. Florida, a locksmith, and a piano. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! I got it. Hang on! Hang on! <laughs> I gotta find. I, I need a winning. I need a winning sound effect. I think the answer is keys. Is that Correct. it? Correct. All right. Ding, 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 ding. How's that? <laughs> I was going to, this is Johnny Waller's birthday. I've been playing the Tarzan, Tarzan shout all morning. So, all right. But yeah, so all oh, that's an example. Um, it's a, it's a simple, it's a simple concept, but it's a, it's a beautiful game. So people. Thank you. Yeah. It came out when Trivial Pursuit exploded on the market in 1994. It came out in 79 in Canada, but it really hit it big in the U.S. in, in 84, sold 20 million copies. And everyone and their brother had a trivia game after that because people thought, oh, trivia is the next big thing. And actually, no, it was Trivial Pursuit was the next big thing because yeah. Tony Randall had a trivia game that, that kind of came out and flopped. And Newsweek magazine had a trivia game, but everyone wanted the original. And luckily, Tribon came out long enough after the, the whole collection of games that came after Trivial Pursuit that people were ready for a different way to, to think about trivia. So we, we had good timing on that one. I, uh, I'm looking, did you actually have all this stuff? I'm, I'm looking at all, I knew Megamouth, Tribon, uh, Blurt. Uh, Blurt yeah, I forgot I forgot about Mad Gab. That was your Yeah, game. That's, I uh, developed that. I didn't invent it. An inventor came to us with another game uh, called In Other Words. And he and I worked together to kind of change the play of his game and made it a, a little bit different and re, rebranded it and renamed it Mad Gab. And that is still on the market, selling well for Mattel. And, uh, yeah, that's a really fun game. You get words that when you say them out loud, it sounds like a phrase different than what you're saying. So an example would be if, if the three words were law, like court of law, and sand, like at the beach, and jealous, like I'm jealous of you. You say those words together: law, sand, jealous, and it sounds like a city on the West Coast. Los Los, Los Angeles. Angeles. All right. Sand, okay, jealous. I remember that. Yes. Mad Gab. Did Great you? Do you know, I always ask people what they want to when when they figured out what they wanted to be. Um, Paula Poundstone says that the reason that adults are always asking kids, "Hey, what do you want to be when you grow up?" because they're still looking for ideas themselves, and um, I. <laughs> I, I always I uh, when when did you when did you say I want to do this for a living? Were you playing with a toy at some point in your in your? Well, early it's life? funny when I look back, I see all kinds of signs. But at the time, you know, like every kid, I wanted to be like a professional baseball player or yeah. something. So I was a, a very athletic family. So we were always outside playing. Um, so, so th there was one hint that maybe I was going to play for a living in, in a fun industry. But we were really kind of blue-collar. I remember we made up a lot of games. We had a basketball that popped, and instead of getting a new one, my dad was like, sorry, there's no money for that. And yeah. then all of a sudden it was like, okay, what game could we 
come up with with a basketball that wouldn't bounce, right? <laughs> and uh, we took a lot of broken toys and tried to fix them or come up with our own sports. And and then it was a, a buddy of mine in college that actually came up with the idea for Tribon, Ed Mussini, and we said, oh well, okay. We, we we had sort of an entrepreneurial bent and decided, all right, we'll give this a shot. And um, I just fell in love with the toy industry. It's play is such a wonderful way to connect with others. So. Um, I've been playing for uh, my whole life. We uh, Sparks, our producer, got your. Uh, she got keys. Nice. Yeah, she's won. She's won a car. Um, unfortunately, it's my car. So um, that's. <laughs> but um, you, so you modified toys and stuff. We used to. Um, I remember as a kid, um, I, I modified a Monopoly set and made up like extra yeah. cards and like you must have done that kind of stuff. Yeah, we we constantly were tinkering with things, and I love open-ended play where kids can bring their own inventiveness to it and, and come up with their own ways. I mean, one of the beautiful things about something like a radio flyer wagon is not so much the toy itself, but just the fantasy of, you know, it's a rocket ship today, and it's a, a covered wagon tomorrow, and then you fill it with water, and it's a swimming pool, or... You throw some lemonade mix in it and wheel it to the curb, and now it's a lemonade stand. And it's just amazing what it can become with the kids. Things are though not as durable. I, um, I, I would say I collect old stuff, and um, I don't really collect it. I just kind of buy it, and it shows, it shows up somewhere in my house. I got an, an Erector set. Remember Erector sets? Oh sure. And I opened that up, and um, for. People of today's generation, where everything, as you started to tell us in the beginning, is, is plastic. The erector set was made of metal, and it's yep. and you use a screwdriver. And anyway, I mean, it was just more, it was more durable. But we have this thing of built-in obsolescence. Do the toy makers they did they want they want the toys to wear out now, right? <laughs> so That's one, one, one thought. Of course, um, there's a lot of companies that that focus strongly on quality and 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 want to try to you know, um, create generational uh, fans in their, in their products. Um, I think kids always want to pretend to be adults. And I, I think with a rector set, it was, you know, you see these skyscrapers going up in cities and, and the girders going up and it's like, wow, I'd love to play with that. And then AC Gilbert comes out with this girder system, right? And uh, you need a lot of patience to play with a rector sets because it was all screws and bolts. Yeah. They didn't snap together with friction like Lego blocks, which, are, of course, are much easier to play with. But there was something, the, the patience that it took to build a Lionel train track and then play with it or Rector sets was, it was something that I think uh, served kids well. Um, Sparks wants to talk about the Radio Flyer Red Wagon, which oh, yeah. um, I had in that show I did, the Baby Boomer toy. Um, I, I got one of those and, and looked at it. Um, so, um, the, the, the all metal red wagon, that's still, you can still get one of those, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Antonio Patton was a Italian immigrant in the early 1900s, came to the U S with, as a woodworker, he was looking for cabinet work in Chicago and he made a, a wooden wagon to kind of carry his tool, tools around with. And someone said, Hey, can you make me a wagon like that? And he sort of found himself making wooden wagons and hmm. then. He was so successful so quickly because they were so well made that 
when Ford was stamping, you know, cars out of steel, he took a page out of that book and said, you know, if I make these out of stamped steel, I, I can make them much quicker and, and they'll be, you know, so durable. And that's what he did. And it was the, the 1920s and Lindbergh had just flown across the Atlantic and radio was a semi-new invention. So he took the, the word radio and the word flyer uh, referring to Lindbergh and kind of just created this brand, Radio Flyer. And yeah, still in the market, they over a hundred years old, just a classic out of Chicago. Pirate Radio from Chicago. It's Gary Lee Wright. Aaron Mittens, the news baron. Aaron, I thought that we had gotten rid of Trump, but not so fast. Go ahead. What, what do we know? Yeah, as much as we would like for him to go away, it doesn't stop the fact that he's there. Um, so we're still around a point where luckily we're at 44% of Republicans supporting him. Less than 50, finally, which is good two years later. But so Trump is apparently deathly serious about him thinking that he's going to be reinstated in August, along with the two Georgia Senate candidates that lost to, um, you know, Warnock and um, also. You know, I saw so this. I saw this flow by. I can't believe right. it. That's what he's telling us. That's what the inside scoop is. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. He's telling his friends that he's telling his. Um, you know, associates. Uh, so this is a reporting from Maggie Haberman, who's a really good a New York Times reporter who's, who has a lot of close ties to the Trump circle. And she's reporting that she's telling a lot of his close friends and associates that he'd be put back in office in August, or at, le- at the very least by August, after the Arizona recount and other recounts to take place after that one. So he's planning on that one being successful in his favor. Then they're going to spark. There's actually another one that happened in forget what state that was but georgia nevada etc and he's saying well once those go through he's going to be reinstilled and uh, he's apparently really serious huh you know there was a time when i thought that trump i never liked the guy but i thought that he wasn't you know thoroughly you know unhinged but, yeah uh i need a he, i need a, a sound of an, a hinge he got the cold right brain he COVID brain yeah it's real i don't know yeah i got i saw that and i gotta reflect on it um it seems to me, you know, the saddest thing is that some of these people are actually not Trump, but, well, Rudy Giuliani was a, he was a good mayor of New York. I mean, I lived there. I don't yeah. know what happened to him. Um, Trump, jeez, oh, I don't know. It's hard to believe that, uh, you know, do, do, do we, can we speculate? Do, do Republicans, the, uh, do they think that's going to happen? I mean, they can't be that, that, that credulous, can they? Uh, see, that's the thing, because there are Republicans, then there are people who vote Republican, right? Yeah, right? And a lot of those people who vote Republican are Trumpists, that, right. you, as you say, Trumpsies. So, yeah, if he's the thing is, people believe in him so strongly, no matter what he says, they'll believe it. So it's not a news story that he thinks he'll be, you know, whatever. It's the fact that he's saying it out loud and that the people who believe him like, oh, round two. <laughs> like, here we go. They think he's that's immortal. The scary part. He's immortal. He's immortal. You can't kill him. You need a silver bullet. I mean, God only knows yes. what. No, that is. That is He's weird. a concept, not a man. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. And uh, <laughs> I'm going to have that done in a needlepoint pillow. A concept, not a man. All right. And then the last, the last bit of non-news today, we've been anxiously awaiting, you and I and theoretically other people, uh, the government's report on the unidentified uh, aerial phenomenon, formerly known as UFOs, and and we were we were thinking about this. We have, and we have a report out today. I think that says there's really nothing in the report. Is that is that right? 
it's sort of an advance warning that there's nothing there. So move along. There's nothing to be seen already. Is that your take on this? Uh, I didn't read it quite that way. But so basically what they're saying is it's the old homage. We can neither confirm nor deny. Uh. So what they're saying is there's no strict evidence that there are alien craft, meaning some beings coming from Alpha Centauri, right? Alpha uh. Centauri. But they're also saying there's not any evidence to the contrary in this article. And, they're, and they also said that there's absolute evidence that it is not any classified U.S. research project. So that's really what this article is stating. And I thought it would be cool if we went back to, you know, you, you remember Project Blue Book. Sure. Which was the last one. And that Project Blue Book was, it, it ended in 1969. And this, for 50 years up until this point, is what made sure that we, well, not made sure, but what caused us to kind of push us to the wayside. Because at the end of that report, they looked at 12,000 sightings, of which only 700 were, quote, unidentified. Huh. And of these 700, they had three conclusions. One was no UFO reported, investigated, or evaluated by the Air Force had any indication that it was a national security threat. Huh. Two, there was no evidence um, submitted or discovered that the UAPs were um, shown any advancement beyond present day scientific knowledge. Three is that there was no evidence indicating that these were extraterrestrial vehicles. So we're talking about the third one now. There still is no evidence that they are extraterrestrial vehicles unless we see an alien, right? <laughs> but the first two, you can't say it's not a national security threat when they're buzzing our warships. You can't say it's not beyond you know, present-day scientific knowledge. So at the very least, well, we're not looking for confirmation. We're looking for now we can look into it. And that's what this report is hopefully going to inspire. Not that there's nothing to see here, but we don't know what this is, let's look into it type of thing. What there is to see is something that, and you were the first to say this, that looks very much like a Tic Tac, right? And <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. So, it looks like a Tic Tac. It, it does say. like a Tic Tac. All right. Um, I, I don't know how we would get, I mean, 10-4 on what you said, how would we get, um, how would we get confirmation that they're aliens? I mean, I don't, I don't we're looking for, I don't know. Boy, this is. I personally don't even think they're aliens, to yeah. be honest with you. Yeah, what do you think? Know what, they, what I think they are? Yeah. I think these things are coming from, so we live in a, a four-dimensional world, right? Up, down, left, right, forward, backwards, and time. We don't really think about it. We never meet somebody at a place unless you meet them at a time. Yeah. You've never done something at a time unless it's also at a place. So it's kind of a coordinate. I think they're from a, an, a dimension we don't necessarily have access to. Because when you see them, they kind of pop in and out. They can't. We could say they're just going really fast, instantaneously, or they're just kind of phasing in and out. That's what I kind of think. Um, as preposterous as that sounds, you may be right. Hey, all I'm asking, you don't have to believe me, but yeah. when that report drops, let me get one I told you so. Just one. We're, but we're one. we're running out of we're running out of other plausible explanations. We just are, you know? Unfortunately. So, it wasn't easy getting this to this place, but we're here. <laughs> all right. Without any further ado, let's see here. We got a guy who's on his way from Nevada to to California. Let me see if I can make this work. Whew, an exciting moment here. There it is. Remember these little rich kids? Come on, you little snot houses. that is the theme from Beverly Hills 90210, as we bring in Chicago Al Katz, 
was inside his radiator, it sounds like. Al? Yes, sir. Good morning. Good morning. You're in the Mojave Desert. That's a bad place to be bubbling. <laughs> it's great. It's gorgeous. Is it? Oh, yeah. I just love the desert. Um, it's real. Uh, we're in real time here. So, uh, is the sun up yet where you are? No, or it must be. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's 737 here. All right. Um, what, um, how's the traffic? It's, uh, it's picking up. Uh, you know, I've been driving since, uh, well, this is my fourth time driving there. Oh. And the traffic is, is growing. Uh, the, the, the country's opening up, Gary. <laughs> Thank God. And, and you have a car now. You're not in a covered wagon. I mean, I know not the, anymore. I know the, sta- the stagecoach was fun, but it doesn't move very fast. So, yeah, I, I was going to ask you about this. We, were, we all looked at an article, and there's a bunch of news here, um, basically saying that the country's opening up. And, you know, I, I state the obvious. When we had the uh, pandemic happen, we had never, you know, really in my lifetime contemplated anything like that. And now we got to put it all back together, and I don't think we know how that, to do that either. So, comment? I, it'll, be, it'll be organic. Meaning? It'll, it'll just have to happen. I mean, we all, uh, we, we all have things we have to do. We're, we're going to all get jobs, or most of us will get jobs again, and uh, it, it'll... Uh, <laughs> Excuse me. It'll happen. It's going to be an organic process. Um, it'll be different, but it'll be the same. You know, the uh, um, I, I was reading this article, and of course, you live in Las Vegas now. Um, and and the the pandemic seemed to like um, it, it. It really shut down Las Vegas. You know, um, and uh, are people now? Uh, are they? They're going to get their jobs back. The people in the casinos and and the peripheral employees. Well, yeah, I'll give you an example. Me, I I drove uh, for Lyft for three years in Chicago, and uh, the pricing has gotten so um, escalated in these ride shares that customers are purposefully picking fights with drivers to try to get the rate free. Wow. It, it's terrible. Wow. Uh, one driver on a news show <laughs> said that uh, he's had his mask ripped off his face four times. Wow. Jeez. I don't have to make of that. Um. Well, it, it, it's, it's keeping me from wanting to go back to work. Yeah. I don't want to deal with escalated issues. You know, I'm talk- a peaceful hippie. <laughs> we, talked about, we talked about etiquette yesterday with a, a very charming woman from South Africa. And I was reflecting that, um, you know, uh, we went from kind of having manners to just being... Cannibals, savages, crazy people as a society. So, um, yeah, um, I understand bodyguards are getting a lot of work now. 
I I would imagine so. Um, it's it's. I was in a restaurant last night at uh, eight thirty in the evening, and uh, it was full. Yeah. It was it was just completely full. Uh, it, it, it's good to see. Uh, you know, I'm in downtown Las Vegas, and uh, it's open. Uh, they had uh, on the first um, morning you could have music. It was at midnight. They started uh, at four stages and went till four in the morning, and it was uh, it was really good to see. Uh, people are back. People are happy. Um, Vegas is opened up. It, it's it's lovely. Are we are we assuming all these people have been vaccinated, Al? I assume no one's been vaccinated. <laughs> Come on, really? Because, yeah, but because I've been vaccinated, yeah. I feel okay. So the 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 restaurant, the crowded restaurant, everybody's in there. Nobody's got a mask on, right? I haven't worn a mask in two days. Yeah. All right. Uh, listen, we. I only know what I hear from people. Um, I uh, I hope that all goes well. It, you know, it'd be really, it'd be uh, it'd be unfortunate if people thought that um, because you know I'm not wearing a mask or you're not wearing a mask that they don't have to wear a mask even though they haven't gotten vaccinated yet. So. Uh, I'll give you an example. Yeah. Uh, Bill Maher came down with the COVID after being vaccinated. Yeah. And he took two weeks off from work. He was required to take two weeks off from his show. And when he came back to uh, last Friday's show, he was grousing about the fact that he felt so good that he did, was totally asymptomatic and wish he could have done his show. But the uh, powers that be made him sit on the sidelines for the uh, until he tested negatively. Why, and um, well, if he felt he so, was vaccinated. If he felt so good, why did he even think that he needed a test? <laughs> I have no idea. I, 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 uh, it was not a dialogue. It was strictly a monologue on his part. Something's weird about that. I don't. I don't know Bill Maher personally, and I'm not saying anything. But something's, something's, something doesn't jive in that story. I mean, I don't know. We've been vaccinated. Um, I don't know. Well, here, here's a question: yeah. A person who's been vaccinated has a card, like I do, that says when they were vaccinated. Right. What about a person that's gotten COVID and survived? Uh, they have the same antibodies that I do, but they don't have a card to prove that uh, they've um, they survived COVID. I don't know. Do they- I don't know. If, I, I I don't know if that's exactly true, Elm. I, I think they're still trying to figure out if people that have, you know, have recovered from it or had it. Um, I, I'm not sure that that's that's yeah. You know, I'm not sure that that's the case. Um, how about a T-shirt? A big T-shirt. <laughs> I'm feeling. I'm feeling better. I'm feel- <laughs> oh, I like it. All right. uh, I like it's it. It's a quarter before the hour here. 
we uh, we encourage people uh, if you if you happen to call us up, and we will we'll be instituting uh, live phone calls again pretty soon. I'll be careful, uh, hands free only, and uh, yeah, we don't want to. We don't want a live on-air crash. So what are you going to do in L.A.? Go to the beach. It's 108 in Vegas. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's 108. I'm just going to California because it's 75. Yeah. <laughs> the, and, the air, the different, and the air pollution is much less. Uh, where? <laughs> um, all right. Well, um, I I think um, I think you're probably right on on an organic recovery. So. Uh, well, there's no rules, so yeah. it has to be. Yeah, I hear you. You know, uh, people remember what they did. It's only been 15 months. Yeah. You know. Amazon just announced that they're now no longer going to screen for uh, cannabis. So, I don't know if you want a part-time thing. How how are you at masking tape? <laughs> Very good. Thank you for asking. Good. All right. Yeah. All right. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm going to drive Lyft again. Yeah. Um, although... Uh, I'm going to have to learn a new city and quickly, too. And meaning Las Vegas? Yeah. Jeez, are you? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's assuming. I'm not a big lift guy. Um, but we could practice. Once you come when you're next time in Chicago, we'll practice. Well, I'll be driving next time I come. Right, even better. Why don't we? I'll tell you what we'll do. Do you have one of those things on your window that it's like the little purple little purple sign. I, I do have a, a, it's, they call, what do they call it? I don't know. It's been so long. Yeah. An amp. Yeah, all right. Okay. I do have one. Would you like me to send it to you? Yes, I think that's a good idea. I was thinking, when I was driving a cab way back when, um, they had to train us, and um, it the training was like three hours with the most grizzled, jaded, foul-mouthed, um, professional cab driver in Chicago, and um, he he basically he basically said, and if they don't like it, they can. What did he call it? They can they can take the big white cab, the big you know the big the bus is what he was referring to. And then we say, well, oh, you know, big, we say, well, wait, we what, what, what if we get we in? Called it the big big green thing. There it is, yeah. And we say, well, what if you get into a dispute? And he said, I just tell him to buzz off. So, all right, uh, make it safely to, uh, to L.A. I, I shall. It's, uh, it's a lovely day here in uh, the Mojave Desert. <laughs> Al Katz driving into the sunset. Be well. You are listening to the Bleat Network. This is Bleat. <laughs>